Here's Harris. Harris turns the corner. 10, 5, leap into the end zone. What a run by Najee Harris. Hello and welcome to the Real Steel Podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers, no BS, and just the real steel. As always, I am your host, Jeff Schmidt, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Polt. And I don't know about you, Polt, but I think there is a lot of frustration after this game. How are you feeling? Yeah, frustrated is a is a good word to use. That was a tough one to watch yesterday and a tough one to swallow. It's definitely a little bit hard. So I'm doing all right. I'm ready to talk about it and get some things off my chest, but it was a tough one. All right, well, I'm here for you. This is a vent, vent session that you can have with me. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> to the audience about everything. And as always, I think there's a lot we can talk about, so let's not delay. We'll go ahead and jump in. Obviously here, you know, the Steelers lose this game 37 to 30. And I think it's safe to say that the scoreboard was probably a little deceiving here. Um, I don't think I'm going to walk you through every single play or drive necessarily, but let's kind of focus on on the first half just to start. And I want to bring up the point that I think we really kind of just hung in there in the first half. I mean, we were never down more than a touchdown. You know, we were tied at 3-3. We were tied at 10-10 at 17-17. We actually had the lead at the half. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I mean, do you want to start with what you liked from the first half? What do you think? Yeah, let's start positive. Let's start with what we liked. And for me, it had to be the offense. The, for the first time this whole season, we saw a good offense on the field. And I actually uh, was watching with my roommate and I looked at him and I said, I don't think this is the Steelers team I know because this offense looks really good. And they put up 20 points, which is the most points they've scored in a half almost the most points they've scored in the game the whole year. And and it was like, whoa, okay, maybe we've turned a page. And I was starting to believe maybe this offense could could be something and do something under Matt Canada. Yeah, I had texted you about the 20 points. I said, holy cow, we just scored 20 points in the first half. We're on pace for 40. <laughs> right. It, it, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. I, I think from a positive perspective, for me, the story was, you know, we would let up a score, but we would generally answer back. It was nice to see us respond after we got scored on. We had some good moments, right? We had yeah. a 19-yard rushing touchdown by Najee. Um, we had a nice touchdown play by Pickens. We converted all our field goals and all our extra points. I mean, I went on a walk at halftime, and I was pretty excited. I mean, we it felt like we were in the game. We, we had the lead, but, you know, boy, oh, boy, did the second-half Steelers show up, and they are not who we wanted to see. No, you're right. The emotions were running pretty high at halftime. I was, you know, doing things around the house, getting ready for the second half. And I was like, wow, we could actually win this game and we might be a good offense. And yeah, we just decided to do the exact opposite of what we did in the first half in the second half offensively. Yeah. I think for me, what happened was in the first half, granted we, we opened with a three and out um, for Cincinnati uh, to stop them on offense. And then we had a three and out of our own. So we didn't really start off too hot, but we no. had four other drives um, in the first half and they were all scoring drives. So we, we were, you know, feeling pretty good. And we opened the second half with three back to back, three and outs, three and out, three and out, three and out. And that was just, man, that was so frustrating to see. We just could not do anything. The play calling was bad. Nothing was going our way. I, I just, yeah, I was so frustrated. Well, you said three, three and outs. The, the fourth drive was a four and out. 
after we got set up at the art at the Cincinnati 21 after the TJ Watt unbelievable interception. So it was four straight drives. We had 19 total yards in four drives to start the second half. Yeah. That's just not acceptable and, and not very good, especially with what we did in the first half, putting up a, a lot of yards in the first half that, that seemed to be going really well, but right. The play calling changed. The offense just seemed to be a whole different animal and, and it just didn't look very good. Yeah, across that second half, I have noted here, we had eight offensive possessions. Yep. Of those eight, five were punts. We had the one field goal that you mentioned, but that was a gimme. We got the ball on the on the 20-yard line. So yep. it, to not get anything less than that would be, you know. Um, and then the last two, um, when we were down two scores, um, we had the turnover on downs and a touchdown. So you almost don't even count those, right? You kind of basically say out of those six possessions, we had five punts and one field goal, which, as you said, it was a four and out because we were just on the 20-yard line. I have the numbers here just broken down of some of these drives. Three plays, one yard. Three plays, six yards. Three plays, six yards. Four plays, six yards. Six plays, 27 yards, four plays, five yards, four plays, one yard. Just atrocious. I mean, what what happened? Why do we act the way that we do when we're in the first half and, and we're making good play calls, we're converting, and then it things just fall apart? I mean. Well, and you just laid out all those, all those drives. That equates to a total of 52 yards of offense until the last garbage time drive that we had. Yeah. 52 total yards. I mean, we had more than that on – two two single drives in the first half um so i don't really know what happened i think they kind of got away from the run uh the offensive line started getting really blown up you could tell mason cole not being in there wasn't really helping not that jc hassenauer was the problem might have been dan moore was the main the main issue but you could the offense just didn't look as good it looked terrible kenny was making missing some throws the play calling was was downright terrible and the offense just look like the offense we're used to the one of the worst offenses in the league yeah so what i'm gravitating towards right now is a uh it was a quote that i saw floating around online after one of the post-game interviews from the Bengals, and one of their players you, you probably have his name but jermaine he, pratt yeah he basically said that our offense is so predictable he said they knew what plays we were calling before we even called them and if that doesn't say something to you, I don't know what will provide any type of wake-up call. To me, that just screams, do something different. And I do not know why we won't do anything different. Tomlin will say that, that he will. He'll make the appropriate changes. But he really doesn't. You know, I think we get into this rhythm where, you know, we bash Matt Canada and then we're like, oh, okay, he made a couple good play calls. And then it's bashing him again. But I think really what this boils down to is that he has built, and I know you have some information here, but he has built like a, a little internal coaching staff around himself. Matt Canada has with the personnel that he's brought in. And we really just need to clear house. It, it's going to be detrimental to Kenny's development, I think, if we hold on to him. And I, I think that this week gave you another opportunity to fire Matt Canada, but it's not going to happen. We put up 30 points and, and it's going to, you know, get us looking away from that. So to me, that's that's the story here. Yeah, I mean, and just to give you a little bit more detail on what Pratt said, uh, they asked him what the difference was between the two halves for the Cincinnati defense. And, and he was not trying to start anything or clickbait or anything like that. He just was speaking, and this is what came out. He said just settling down. It was us giving them plays. We knew what they were going to do. They like to do the same plays over and over. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if that's not telling how predictable we are, then I don't really know what is. And 
I think as a as a viewer, as a as a loyal fan, you can kind of notice it too. When you can sit on your couch and you can guess what play is coming at certain times, I, you have to hope that people whose job it is to to study this and learn this and play the game also know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, what's you had the stat on the second downs? I think we had what was it? If yeah. you want to go into that, yeah, let's talk about that same same play time and time again. Yeah, um, the Steelers' offense had 23 second downs on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, 13 of them were for nine yards or longer. So, you know, over 50% of the time we're getting nothing, one yard, two yards on first down. So that's a sign right there. Take it a step further. Of those plays, seven of them we ran. So it's second and nine, it's second and 10, and we are just running a draw play right up the gut. And you and I picked up on this, like you said, as most Steelers fans probably did, sitting on our couch watching this game. Why are we running it on second and seven, on second and eight, second and nine, second and ten, right up the gut? It is so predictable, and it does not get you anywhere. I think about that one play where, you know, it was we, – we got backed up, and it was second and 25. And I said, yeah. man, if we run it right here, I'm going to throw something at the TV – we didn't run it, but we passed it, and it was an incomplete, and we ran it on third and 25. Yep. And the reason I bring that up is because Sunday night, I watched the Chiefs game, and the Chiefs were on their own 10-yard line, and it was third and 17, and Patrick Mahomes dropped back, and he threw a pass to the first down marker, and they converted on third and 17. And to me, I- I'm so frustrated seeing this. Why don't we, number one, try for the conversion, but number two, on second and 25, why would you not at least just throw the ball up and try to get a deep play and maybe hope that you get a pass interference, defensively called? I mean, there's really, to me, that's a better play call than a run up the gut. I am yep. I don't really know what else to say there, you know? I mean, and you can say that, all right, it's third and 25. You're probably going to punt the ball anyways. Like, let's not what's the point of trying to go for it? You're probably going to hurt yourself more than you help yourself, but that's not the case at all. I mean, we started that drive on the Cincinnati 47. The defense set us up actually, and we had really good field position. Mm-hmm. And then we had, we hurt ourselves with two penalties and we were putting that third and 25, but why not give it a chance? Because even if you, you push it downfield and you throw an interception, it's basically like punting the ball anyways, when you're on that side of the field. So why not at least try to get some yards to get a first down? I mean, at that point in the game, the game was not over. I mean, that the Cincinnati still had to score another touchdown and field goal to get to their final score. I mean, so they only had what twenty-seven points, I think, at that time. Yeah, and and so it was twenty-seven, twenty-three. Yeah, and so if you get in a field goal range, you make it a one-point game, and maybe it's completely different. And the the lack of ability to trust or even try something, like you said, maybe get a pass interference, maybe get a shorter completion that puts us in field goal range, and we can at least take an make an attempt, or at least just show like you care, and and they. Just didn't do that. They handed it off, and Najee got a seven-yard carry, and and that was that. And guess what happened after that? We played it safe. We punted it off, and that's when the the Cincinnati Bengals had their ninety-three-yard touchdown drive. Yeah. So it's like we played it safe, and and for what? It, it didn't help us, so we might as well be aggressive. 
Yeah, and it really felt like there were a few times in this game where we had pretty good field position. I mean, yeah, I definitely. Even Sims, he had a fumble, but he had an okay game. He had, I'd say, pretty good game. I mean, better than what we've seen with the average of Ray Ray McLeod and, and Gunner in the first couple of games. I mean, yeah, he had a 37 yard return and he averaged 22 yards on kick returns. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he looked pretty good on kick returns. It's like, if that's, if that's the floor that we're getting with him, that's phenomenal, but you get the ball on the 45 yard line and you can't do anything. That is, it's, it's just beyond, again, I'll use this word of frustrating, but that's really what it is. I mean, if you look in the second half, we had, Two different drives start in Cincinnati territory. We had a drive start in Cincinnati 21. That was the TJ Watt interception. Yep. And then we had a drive start in the Cincinnati 47. And that was defense forced a three and out from the Cincinnati 10. And then they had to punt out of their own end zone. And that's the drive we've just been talking about. Out of those two drives combined, we got three points. And that's because we were literally in field goal range when we got the ball on the first drive. Yeah. You just can't have the ball in an opponent's territory and not get points out of it. You just can't, especially against a team like the Bengals, who are a good offense. You, you can't expect to win and do that. So here's your stat line from some of the key offensive players in terms of the leaders. Kenny was 25 of 42 for 265 yards, one touchdown. He was sacked twice. Overall, on paper, not a bad game for a rookie quarterback. No. Najee had 20 carries for 90 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, he had that one at the very end of the game. He also had a, a few catches for 20-some yards. And Pickens was our leading receiver with four catches on six targets, 83 yards and a touchdown. Quite frankly, there were a few other plays that Pickens probably could have had a catch. He should have had that long touchdown, Yeah, you know, with 10 seconds inside the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. That was a beautiful throw by Kenny. Um, so that's your stat line there from, from your offensive players. I know we're going to talk a little bit about the defense in a second, but while we're here, I'm going to give out my Balls of Steel award if you want to do the same, just because yeah. we're talking offense. Um, but for me this this week, I'm going to give it to Pat Fryermuth. Um, Pat had eight catches. That was the most of anyone on the team. 12 total targets. He was 79 yards in, in receptions uh, or in receiving yards. There was, you know, I think one notable drop um, that he had, but it was probably looking back at it, not the best throw, kind of defended well. Um, the 79 yards, that's his second highest total of the year. I think what we're seeing from Pat is really that, you know, he's helping us stretch the field. He's becoming so reliable and he had a really good blocking game too. Um, Definitely. He's just, he's just playing well. We're seeing solid efforts out of him each week. And so for me, I think he's, he's deserving of my balls of steel this week. What about you? For me, I, I'm going to go back to the, the well and pick who I picked last week. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm picking Najee Harris again. I thought he played. I thought he was one of the few bright stop spots on this the offense yesterday. Twenty carries for ninety yards, two touchdowns, a nineteen yard touchdown run, averaged four and a half yards a carry. He, he actually looked like I know he had one of those drops on a, mm-hmm. on a pretty good pass by Pickett that he should have caught. That was defended really well. I, I went back and I watched that. That was it defended was. really well. I don't think that's fully unknowledge. Yeah, right, and. And to be honest with you, he hasn't got much receiving work because Jalen Warren's been the third down back or been in receiving situations. So I'm not trying to give him an excuse there, but I just thought Najee came out. He ran the ball hard. He lowered his shoulder. I mean, we haven't seen that all year. He was hurdling people. Yep. That this is this is what we saw out of Najee last year when everybody was raving about him and loving him. And I just I gotta say again, this was not Najee. Najee was hurt to begin the year. The offensive line isn't very good. And and this is now we're getting back to Najee that we loved last year and that we all that we all want to be our starting running back. So I'm glad to see him put two back-to-back games together, really three back-to-back games. I think he's fifth in the league in, in rushing over the last two weeks. 
which is which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so Najee, balls of steel player of the week again for week number two. I like that. It puts him back on the map. We talked about this last week, so anyone who didn't hear our episode last week can can go back and listen. You know, Polt and I are both pretty high on Najee. We're we're supporters. We we are against the folks who who you know don't really support that draft pick or think that that was a bad draft pick. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, so there's yeah. only so much you can do. You can always go back and say, well, we should have drafted a lineman or whatever. But, but sure, maybe no, we should have. But. Yeah, yeah, but Najee's a ball player, and, and when he's healthy, you know, he's going for it. We asked the, I asked you the question, I think, during the bye week, if he was going to hit 1,000 yards on the season. And I think at that point, it would have taken, like, 70 yards per game for him to get, and he was averaging, like, low 60s. Yeah. Now I think he's got, what, 650 on the season, and to get 350 in, in seven more games, I, I think it's – it's pretty possible that he hits a thousand yards. So we'll look to yeah, see. He has 550 on the season. 550, 550. Okay. Yep. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, looking forward to seeing more of healthy Najee. If he keeps running like this, there's a good opportunity. He might be able to get a thousand, which would be pretty unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you want to talk defense for, for a little bit? I have, you know, maybe a couple of stats here, but I'll let you take the lead if you want. Well, I did. I wanted to throw two positives in there for the offense before okay. we move on. Let's hear it. We finally got off the schneid of having a touchdown, our longest touchdown being under 10 yards. Right. We had a 19-yard touchdown, and then we had, I think, Pickett's pass was a 21-yard touchdown. And we could have had like a 44-yard touchdown to George Pickens at the end of the game too. Sure. So we did have more big plays than we did had last week. Again, all in the first half. But we're finally starting to – you know, maybe make a little bit more bigger plays and, and score from a little bit deeper out, which is really good. So I wanted to point that out that we did finally get past our eight yard longest touchdown. We had a 19 and then we won up there with a 21 yarder. Okay. And, and I'll add to that. I'll just say, you know, we did get up to 30 points. The, the story we've been talking about was 20 points and, and all that. Yeah. Um, that said, that's the first time we've hit 30 points in almost a year to the day, 364 days. And, and in that game, we put up 37 points and we lost to the Chargers. So yep. I have it here that we're 0-2 in our last two games when we put up more than 30 points. And then 0-3 if you include the wild card loss that we had to the Browns when they just kind of tore us up. So we haven't won a game in which we've scored more than 30 points since we beat the Bengals in week 10 of 2020. So you would think on paper, right, that, that 30 points is a lot and 30 points gets the job done. But this might be a good transition into the defense. It's a great transition because if you think the defense was the problem, then I don't think you watch the same game as, as, as me at least. Because if you look at the offense, they put up 20 points in the first half, and that was, that was awesome and they looked really good. But, I mean, if you look at those drives, it was 41 yards, 56 yards, 65 yards, and 44 yards. They didn't do all that. I mean, they weren't long drives. I mean, they were good drives. They did what they were supposed to do. But the second half, they got a field goal because T.J. Watt put them at the 21-yard line in field goal range. And then they got a 72-yard touchdown at the end of the game in wash-up time down two scores that Cincinnati didn't really care. They only really scored 20 points. The defense set them up and at least gave them three points off of the T.J. Watt interception. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other interception, the Casey one also – or the the Levi Wallace one – gave them the field goal at the end of the half as well. So that's six points off a turnover caused by the defense. And the defense gave them more than enough field position. They put them on the 47 of Cincinnati in the first or the, in the th- fourth quarter as well. So great transition into this, this game is not on the defense. And so let's talk about that because I know the defense didn't have their best game 
And I know that the headline is the offense put up 30 points, but that's really not how the game went. This was the defense tried to keep us in. The offense kept us in in the first half. The defense kept us in on the second half. Yeah, I'm going to agree and disagree a little bit. I'll agree with you on that the story should not be positively twisting this to say that the offense put up 30 points. I know I just said that, and that was a pro. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, we're getting that field goal off of a turnover and and things of that sort. Um, I also think that if you have an offense that's a little bit more high-powered in the second half, you keep the defense off the field – Maybe the defense doesn't let up as many points and and perhaps performs better. So I'm with you on that piece. I do, however, think that there are some glaring flaws and issues with this defensive game. And I have some stats behind that. But I really think a lot of this sits in the secondary. And, And let me lead you in here with one of these stats as well. So the Steelers have allowed 35 plus points three times this season, which is a lot yeah Uh, that's seven over the last two seasons to put that into perspective from 2012 to 2020 we did that only eight times so to have that seven times in the last two years and then eight times in in the eight years prior yeah that's pretty bad from 2000 to 2011 so even a longer span we did that seven times so in what we used to do hold holding offenses two in in a decade we are doing that in a season and a half so i think there's some pretty glaring flaws with the defense and again i'll have some more information to support the secondary we'll get to that in a second but i'm i'm a little bit hung up on that piece yeah i mean the first half wasn't very good they they definitely struggled to contain t higgins and and not Samaj P. Ryan, I guess, too. Yep. He, he tore us up pretty badly. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think some of the, the scheming in the defense is, is questionable. Uh, their decisions to, you know, play Robert Spillane and, and pass coverage is mind-boggling, and, and I don't understand it. Their decision to, to me at least, it looked like Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't playing in the back. He wasn't playing, you know – the, the, the free safety in the back that's just sitting there waiting for, for plays. It looked like KZ was back there. I, Minka's an all pro doing that. Why is he not, why is he not your last, your last line of defense? Right. And, and so I think some of those decisions and just relying so much on the front four is tough. And I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't think they played their best game, but I also didn't think they were the reason we lost. Yeah. That, and that's fair. Um, but I, I still kind of stand by the fact that, there were some big things that happened in this game that really did not favor us. I have a stat here since 2001, and that's as far back as this, this record goes. So it quite frankly could have been even longer. The Steelers have never allowed two 90 plus yard touchdown drives. Yeah. Same game. Sunday, we gave up a 92 and a 93 yard touchdown game. You know, we didn't even do that against the bills. We did, we did that in this game, right? Uh, In, in the week one game that we played against Cincinnati, One of the things that stood out to me, and Tomlin actually brought this up after the game, saying that we need to hold them in the red zone to field goals and not touchdowns. Yep. In in week one, the Bengals were two and five in the red zone. Um, In in this game, they were three for three. So they were able to convert. We kind of collapsed. And and I said this at the TV. (laughs) I said it at the TV. I was kind of yelling at the TV. 
um, bend, don't break, right? When, when you yeah. see the opponent get into, you know, our side of the field and, and then they get into the 30 and into the red zone, you know, traditionally we've been a pretty good bend, don't break team, you know, hold them up and, and maybe hold them to a field goal. And you do the math in your head. You're like, oh, okay, they're at 24, then get up to 27 if we let up a field goal. But if it's a touchdown, we're out of it and whatever. And I did that a lot and it, that game. And I was saying, Ben, don't break. And, and we broke. We broke a lot. And that yeah. was not good. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's inexcusable. You can't let that happen. But I will say, so the first, the first half, 92-yard touchdown drive, 10 plays, 92 yards, six minutes. We were – the offense was fighting back and forth during that. And so I, I don't really excuse that. The second half one with their eight-play, five-minute drive that went 93 yards for a touchdown – I mean, that came off of the offense having the ball for a minute 33, a minute 37, a minute 35, 55 seconds, three minutes, and then two minutes. I, I, they're, just, they're just not on the field very uh, very much, the offense I'm talking about. So when the defense is on the field the whole game against a really good quarterback in Joe Burrow and a really good offense, even without Joe Mixon, who got hurt, or Jamar Chase, it's going to be hard to bottle them up and – Sure, I agree. They definitely needed to stop them and not allow a 93-yard touchdown drive. But I, I don't know. It's hard. It goes back to how the beginning of the season was. When you're on the field the whole game, it's really hard to do well. Yeah. Well, you'll probably be a little bit disappointed in me here with this one, but I'm going to go into my jag off of the week. And, sure. And on that theme, I'm, I'm going to give it to a positional group. And, and for me, it's, it's the secondary. I think you brought up the points that Okay, Joe Mixon, their, their star running back, he left the game with an injury. Jamar yeah. Chase, for those who don't know, Jamar Chase is, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, and, and he's been if not the a, best a few weeks now. He's not the best, but, but he's, he's top 10 probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's top five. Yeah, he could argue he is the best. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's not the Chase Claypool saying he's one of the best three in the league. Like, this, no. this guy's pretty legit. Um, and he has chemistry with, with Joe Burrow. So, Anyways, he, he was out, and so on paper, right, you're seeing a, a, a less threatening Cincinnati offense, so to say, and you let up uh, 148 yards on 13 catches to T. Higgins. That was really frustrating. Um, what's even crazier is that all of this happened in just two quarters. T. Higgins didn't have any targets in the first or the fourth quarter, so wow. that damage came in, in just two parts of the game. Um our starting cornerbacks yesterday um, or Sunday on the game, Cam Sutton, when they were throwing against him, let up a 100.3 um, quarterback rating. Arthur Mallette let up a 154 quarterback rating. Levi Wallace did have that interception, but he also let up two 30-yard catches. So for me, what I'm seeing here, and this is something I've also seen floating around the internet, is that our secondary is built up entirely of number two and number three cornerbacks. We do not have that stud number one cornerback. And that's something that I'm hoping we'll, we'll reach for in the draft, uh, which is, is, you know, this is bigger picture here. That's tough given that we have such a high needed offensive line, but um, that's an area where we definitely need some improvement. So I'm giving it to the secondary and uh, I'll let you go next. Yeah. That kind of leads me almost perfectly into, into my Jag off of the week and my Jag off of the week has to be Mike Tomlin. I'm going to finally, throw a lot of criticism his way. He's known to be – he came in before he was a head coach and a defensive coordinator. He's a defensive backs coach. 
right? So you, you would think he he's and he was a wide receiver in college, wide receiver coach before that. You would think he has a pretty good understanding of coverage. And and here you go, you just laid it out. Our secondary is is pretty bad. Why are they still playing Arthur Millette and why are they not playing James Pierre? I have no idea. And these are some of the reasons why I'm giving Mike Tomlin my jag off of the week. The personnel decisions, like I talked about, Robert Spillane in coverage, Minka not playing the center fielder in the back. It just doesn't make sense. Why is Terrell Edmonds covering T. Higgins in the slot? We, we constantly put linebackers on tight or, or slot receivers. Just stuff like that that I think – I know Tomlin's not the defensive coordinator, but I know he has a big role in calling the defensive game plan. And, and some of these things that he just allows happen is, is unacceptable. And then when you flip it over to the other side of the ball, the fact that A, Matt Canada is still, still coaching this team, and B, he, he went with Matt Canada. They gave him full rights to choose who the offensive coordinator was two years ago. And he went with the guy on the staff with the previous coordinator who we fired because he wasn't very good and Randy Feekner. And he just settled and barely had any interviews, kind of half, half-ass interviewed Pep Hamilton and, and went with Matt Canada. And then he allowed Matt Canada to build an offensive staff that is just all of his friends and all of his boys. Yeah. And, Mac- and Mike Tomlin did nothing with it. I, I mean, I got to knock him for that as well. And then the last thing is we're just not evolving as a football team, and I put a lot of that onus on, on Mike Tomlin. If you look at like Brady and Belichick, right, they went on that, that run, and I'm not saying we're anywhere near that. or It's hard to compare them. It's not apples to apples. But Belichick always made a change. Early on in Tom Brady's career, and I don't have the stats, but they were a run-first team because <laughs> Tom Brady was young and, and wasn't that good, and they were just trying to you know make it easy on him. Then when he got comfortable and he got the weapons with Wes Welker and Randy Moss and Julian yep. Edelman and all these guys – they became a pass happy team and were, were like the greatest show on turf again. And they were awesome. And then towards the end of his tenure, tenure in, in new England, they started running the ball again because he realized Tom Brady can't move and doesn't want to get hit. And he's afraid in the pocket. He evolved with his team and with the, and with the NFL, how the league changed. And I don't ever see that with the Steelers. We just do the same thing over and over again. And we just, we just bang our head against a wall until it works. And, Recently, it hasn't been working, and I'm going to put a lot of that blame on Mike Tomlin. So, Mike, Mike Tomlin, jag off of the week for me. Those are all really solid points, and I'll be honest with you here. I don't have a very natural transition into our next segment, so I'm just going to bring it up here that we're going to jump into the grab bag after that. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, Tomlin. thanks for letting me vent a little bit there. Yeah, it's worth it. I think it's important for everyone kind of to realize, especially the point you bring up around Canada kind of building his own little – niche inside our organization that this is this is obviously going to come into play because i I give it a a five to ten percent chance that legitimately matt canada stays with us next year if if he is our offensive coordinator coordinator next year like we are doomed as a franchise yeah there is like nothing and and i think it's gonna you know i will die on that throne i think kenny will will not improve in advance and that's just gonna ruin his nfl career if canada stays with us I think there's a high likelihood that we're going to take a look in the mirror, especially if we're going to finish, I don't know, six and 11 or five and 12 or whatever it might be that Matt Canada is going to go. But what comes with that, as you mentioned, is that we got to clear out all of the coaches that are underneath him too. And I doubt anyone's going to get promoted from within. I I would really hope that we go and we look outside the organization. And this is where we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Andy Weedle, I think is going to make a big difference. He is the football mind in that front office. Uh, front office. Omar Khan is the business mind. Yeah. Weedle's the football mind. There's no way that he thinks 
Matt Cannon and this coaching staff is a good offensive staff. So I believe he will take some control of finding a person and not just put all of it on Mike Tomlin. So that's something to look forward to. Hopefully. hopefully. I hope so. It just makes you wonder like, like what, what is preventing them from doing that right now? Why, why didn't they do it during the bye? I mean, I think I go back to the, I don't know. It's, it's just too much change for a rookie quarterback that you need to keep something consistent. That's the only, only thing that I, I can gravitate towards for the logic behind why they're doing that. Maybe there's something there that we don't know. Who knows? I'll give you, I, I don't friendship. That's probably what it is. Right. I don't, I don't believe this, but the, the rumor, a lot of people, a lot of Pittsburgh fans or Pittsburgh people are saying that's because Mike Tomlin needs a scapegoat at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And he's going to leave. He's going to blame it on Matt Canada, which is fine. The offense is atrocious, but yeah. Why are we not moving on? I, I can't answer that question. I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into our grab bag here. I, I have two listener questions. I want to ask you, and then we'll do a little bit of a game preview. Cool. Um, the first one comes in from our good friend, Sam Shermack. And Shermack asked us about this game in particular. If there was a defining moment that happened in this game where we knew that we lost, like, was there a point in this game where you're like, well, that'll do it. We're done. We're toast. Yeah. Yeah, there was a moment for me. Uh, I think the uh, the flea flicker. I think the flea flicker did me in. I mean, my goodness, we just had a 33-yard pass to George Pickens. It was beautiful. We hadn't done nothing all all half, all second half. And then we have the ball first and 10 on the Cincinnati 39. And we run a freaking flea flicker that did nothing. And it looked terrible. And they almost fumbled the ball. I, I really do feel like after that play, I know, the, I know we just punted and then they punted back to us and and yada, yada. But I felt like we had a little bit of momentum finally in the second half. That's the first time we had a first down, I, I believe, or maybe second first down of the, the second half. And then we decide from the 39-yard line to throw a flea flicker when our offense did nothing Yeah, the whole half. To me, that was it. When I saw that and that drive ended, I said, we're done. The yeah, game's definitely. over. There, there, I, I uh, stand with you there. There were a couple – so I don't know if I have a single defining moment, but there were a couple that kind of just jumped out to me. There, We had that shovel pass to Zach Gentry. That was just idiotic last game. The, My goodness. I remember the announcer saying that Zach Gentry, ba- they basically said that he's like slow. He's, he's only good at blocking. And to utilize him in the pass game is just downright not smart. Can we stop doing shovel passes? Yeah. They don't work. We're not the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't work. They read that like crazy. So so that really got me. I think the the other standout play for me on top of the flea flicker was there was a I think it was a like a design RPO, run pass yep. option play. And from what I can remember here, Kenny turned, he got the snap and he turned to his right and it was like the RPO or kind of the fake handoff to Najee. Yeah. And then Kenny did like a, like a 180 turn to his left side and held the ball out like it was a clear handoff play. Yeah. But at this point, Najee was already like at the offensive line. Like he was like, surrounded by by the right. so Najee was like two yards ahead of where Kenny was trying to hand off the ball yeah then Kenny either rolled a little bit or he, he threw it right away I don't exactly remember what happened but he it was a dime that he, he, threw, to Pickens. he, he threw to Kenny Pickens or yeah. George Pickens Ooh, and, yeah George Pickens, Pickens yeah. had like a toe tap catch on the sideline and I was like I cannot believe they just made that happen that was incredible and it looked like it was going to be fine and dandy. And then they called it back for an illegal man downfield, which we talked about those penalties, how we're leading the league in illegal man downfield. And, and that was JC Hassenauer who came in for Mason Cool. 
Yeah, so just a, a complete collapse, in my opinion, in terms of, of that play. And so for me, Shermack, that was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's it. We're done. We're done. And, and to be honest with you, that I that is a good that's a very good answer because my flea flicker play was our drive prior to that. We punted. We held them at their own. They punted from their own seven. That's then when we got the ball on the Cincinnati 47. We had a 13-yard run by Najee. We're on the Cincinnati 34. We then had a holding penalty on Fryermuth, which was kind of questionable. So then it's first and 20. And then we have that illegal man downfield, and it's first and 25. And then that's where we had a short pass to Najee. We wanted to run the ball. And that's just where everything everything broke down, and we ran the ball on on third and 25. So actually, truly – that then led to the 93-yard touchdown by Cincinnati. So maybe yeah. that was the turning point. We'll, we'll just say that was like the, the three minutes within the game that, that did. Oh, yeah, that beginning good. of the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, one other question I'm going to ask you is, um, this comes from another one of our loyal listeners, Sarah. She asks us, I think this is a really good question, and I'm interested to hear your take on it. She said, what is our problem in the red zone? Where are the touchdowns? Like, like, why can't we convert in the red zone? And I'll also caveat this by saying, man, I, I wish we could get into the red zone more. Um, that's that's a problem. But do you, yeah. do you, have, a, do you have a take on, on what you think our problem might be in the red zone? Well, so just to back Sarah up a little bit, in this game, Cincinnati was three for three in the red zone, red zone touchdowns. We were three for five, and we lost by seven. So, I mean, it was a really big, big factor in the game. Um, my answer is – and we, didn't, we haven't really talked about him that, that much today. I thought Kenny Pickett played an unbelievable game that first half. If that doesn't show you that I think he could be a franchise quarterback, then and I don't, you, you just, you're just a hater and, and don't want to see it. But I believe Kenny Pickett is the, is the issue in the red zone. It, it's a mixture maybe of Kenny and, and the play calling. I, you can see there's a lot of clips out there where he just becomes – he looks at one target when he gets right. down to the red zone, right. and, he, and he doesn't take his eyes off of it. On, on the drive after the TJ touchdown or the TJ interception, he stared down Zach Gentry and threw it into triple coverage. But if yep. he would have waited a second, Connor Hayward was open for a 20 yard touchdown pass. And, and that's where we go into, we've talked about rookie mistakes. To me, it's rookie mistakes that are plaguing us. Kenny just, like you said, we're not in the red zone very often. So, and we probably, probably don't practice it because they got to practice the rest of the playbook that they're trying to learn. And so I, I believe it a lot has to do with Kenny Pickett. And I, I do think he will get better as he grows and continues to play and get experience. But I, I think he is the main component, the main reason why we struggle. That's a good answer. I think the natural cop out here would probably to be gravitating towards the play calling. But like you said, I don't know if that's fully the root of the issue here. I mean, no. I, I think that Kenny is definitely playing a, a big part in this. And like you said, that's probably an area where we'll definitely improve. Um, look to see that. I would hope to see that improve as, as the season goes on and into next year. But you brought up a really good point. And again, we didn't spend too much time talking about Kenny, but as we wrap this up, I, I think for me as a fan, what I'm looking for next in Kenny's development. And, and I think when I say next, what I mean is over these last few games, I think we have seen growth. You look at what yes. he's done in terms of his decision-making, how he kind of rolls out and throws the ball away a lot more. You see that, and it's frustrating that nothing happens, but he's throwing the ball away. He's not losing yards. He's not getting sacked. He's not throwing interceptions. So that's what I mean when I say next. I think it's clear that his decision-making has definitely improved over these past few games. What I think we need to see next from Kenny is to, to see him move through his progressions 
and look through all of the different receivers when he has the time. What really good quarterbacks in the NFL do is they move safeties and they move different position players with their eyes. So as Kenny's looking in certain directions of the field and he knows he's not necessarily going to throw there, he's drawing the coverage to that specific place on the field. And then he throws to someone who's open or someone who's just in a one-on-one coverage. So if we can see that growth from Kenny in terms of being able to, you know, look through his progressions, move safeties, move defensive players around with his eyes, I think we'll be able to see a lot of improvement, especially in the red zone. You brought up some really good plays. I think that one where Connor Hayward was wide open and he threw into triple coverage is, is huge. So I think, Sarah, to answer your question, I think Colt and I both agree here that it's it's a lot of it sitting on Kenny. And it's not a yeah. bad thing because he's a rookie quarterback. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You laid it out perfectly, and that was a really good explanation. But I think it's a natural progression for a rookie quarterback, right? The, the speed of the game changes so much in high, in college. So or in the NFL from college, right? You have to first get in and get your feet wet and just learn to play. Then you have to learn to take care of the ball. I think he's finally got to that point where he's taking care of the ball better now. Now he has to work right. through, let's become an NFL quarterback. Let's let's go through our progressions and let's really learn how to play. And every rookie goes through this, every yeah. single one. I don't care who it is. They all have gone through this where they stare down receivers because in college they could. They just had a better arm and the receivers were better and they could just throw it in there and they would catch it. 100%. It's a little different in the NFL. So I agree. I think that's the next step. And then consistency, just being a little more consistent with throws. Yeah. I think those are the two big things I want to see him develop. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see that over the next few games. And, um, you know, like we said, this, this is the growing pains of having a rookie quarterback. You yeah. Have, you have to sit through this and yeah, you know, we've kind of realized in stomach that we're not going to make the playoffs this year. No. You know, we have, we'll probably win maybe three, four of these games. Who knows? You know, maybe we win some more, maybe we lose some more. But um, this is really all about, you know, putting it in context. It's all about Kenny's growth this year. So yep. um, that's a great question for us, Sarah. Keep them coming. We, we love getting those listener questions. Let's jump into the game preview and wrap things up here. Um, next up on our slate is the Indianapolis Colts the last game of week 12 the monday night football game and the steelers are currently opening as three point underdogs so we are not favored in this game do you want to jump in yeah um everybody get excited this is the 28th best offense averaging 17 points a game versus the 31st best offense averaging 15.7 a game so i really hope they moved up the colts have moved up to 31 Mm -hmm. so I really hope this isn't uh, the Broncos and Colts round two on in primetime. Hopefully we have the first half offense of the Steelers, not the second half. But just to get into some of the Colts numbers, uh, like I said, they're the 31st scoring offense in the league, so they're worse than us, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, they're 24th total offense, 16th against or 16th passing, and then 26th rushing. But I will say Jonathan Taylor has not played all year. The offensive line has been banged up. They are a much better running football team than 26th in the league. So let's watch out for that, see if the run defense can slow down Jonathan Taylor. On the other side of the ball, uh, their defense is actually pretty good. They, they're 11th in scoring, 5th in total defense, 7th against the pass, and 12th against the run. So we might, again, have to rely on the running game and Najee Harris, and I think he'll be ready for the task and maybe work his way towards that 1,000 yards for the year. I'll be honest. To me, I think this game is a total toss-up. Yeah, I have no inclination. I want to say that you look at this like when we played the Saints and, and on paper, we're maybe a little bit better of a team. Of course, we're biased there, but maybe we yeah. go in and we beat them um, and it's 20 to 10 like it was during the Saints game. I, I have a good feeling that that can happen, but I don't have a feeling good feeling that that will happen again. 
total toss up to me. I don't necessarily see this being a blowout one way or the other. It'd be great to have, you know, to see Kenny have that game. You know, we're we're waiting to to see Kenny have that game, three hundred passing yards and yeah. touchdowns on the board. I don't know when that's going to happen. Like you said, the Colts have a good defense. I really expect this to probably be a close and low scoring game. It has been that way on primetime. I don't have the stat here for for Mike Tomlin on on Monday Night Football or they don't lose. Darn good. Yeah, they're pretty darn good. And and this is Mike's or Jeff Saturday's third game as the NFL head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. That's another thing they're playing with. A new head coach fired him a couple weeks ago. Um, So the Colts are a little bit of a different team, but they're not very good either. And you said it's a three point line. That's basically what they get for being at home anyway. So it's basically a toss up. So let's see. I think I think it could be a good game. Hopefully, it's a little bit more exciting than ten to nine or whatever that is. But I think, it, I think it could be a good one for the Steelers. Let's hope they can pull it out. Yeah, national coverage, night game. Uh, I normally don't like night games. Not that I like this one. But uh, one of the things that I, I get beat up about on night games is I'm just so hyped up after the game that I yeah. go to bed. And, yeah. Um, sometimes it's from a loss and sometimes it's from a win. But I'll tell you this right now. If I'm too hyped up from a win that I can't go to bed on Monday night, I won't be mad about it. I can assure you that. And Kenny shines under the lights. At least he did last year. So let's see it again. All right. Let's hope so, man. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Um, As always, we appreciate the listener questions, things of those sort. So keep those coming in. We will be back with you guys after the Colts game to talk about that. So take care and we'll talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. Peace.